Welcome, everyone. I am your host, Alex, and today we have an interview with our ho- or with our our guest, John. Um, we are going to be covering, I guess you would say, religion and cults. They're kind of intertwined with each other. Um, so, without further ado, John, welcome to the show. Hi. Uh, thanks for having me. Yeah. Yeah. No problem. Thank you for taking the time to come on and tell us a little bit about your experience and everything. Um, so tell us a little bit, uh, tell us a little bit about yourself. Um, so yeah, my, uh, my name is, is John, uh, and I am a, uh, a former member of, um, uh, some, some might call it a cult, which is not an inaccurate term. Um, but I, I tend to use the term high demand religion, uh, known as the, uh, the church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, or more commonly, uh, people would know them as the Mormon church. And, uh, yeah, I, uh, I joined them when I was, uh, when I was 27, it's just kind of something that I fell into. And I spent, um, up until about two years ago, uh, very, very involved, um, until, there was a parting of ways. There were some things that I learned that uh, that things were not quite the way that I thought that they were, and uh, and yeah, I ended up uh, I ended up leaving and uh, kind of finding my own way. Interesting. Okay. Now, now you said that you kind of fell into this. Um, so, what what made you join in the first place? I guess, like what what led you to that? Because you said you were twenty seven when you initially yeah. joined, correct? Yeah. Yeah. So was so, it like was yeah. it family or you know what it was um the the church has uh missionaries that they put out um they they, they send them out and uh, you've probably seen them in the streets white shirts black name tags um and yep. they just go around teaching people and I was just curious and they talked to me and I I wanted to hear what they had to say and uh, I I just wanted to learn more about it and uh, I ended up uh, getting a little bit more than I bargained for I guess <laughs> Now, now you that because I I have ran into them before, and they they are really really nice people and everything like that. Like you, I feel bad kind of shooing them away and everything like that because they're just they're honestly just putting information out about what they believe and everything like that. So oh yeah, when they, absolutely. When they came to your door and like when they talked with you and everything like that, what? How how did you feel? Like how did you how did what were some of the things that I guess they said that kind of were like, oh, this is really interesting and you wanted to learn more and everything? Well, it was um when I, I, I first met them, I was actually coming home from work. Uh mm-hmm. I didn't have a car, so I was waiting uh I was waiting at the uh at the bus terminal uh for uh, for a connection and this guy just starts coming up to me and talking to me about um hold on, I'm gonna move my mic here. Um he starts talking to me about about his religion and I'm you know, I'm a curious person. I wanna hear what he has to say. And uh, he didn't really tell me a whole lot up front. He told me that he was a missionary from the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. Mm-hmm. And uh, I remembered seeing their commercials back in, I think it was like the the early 90s that they had on TV. I don't know. Um, I don't know if you remember those, but I, I really didn't know anything else about them. And he asked if we could get together again later. And and then when we did, uh, I, I met with another set of missionaries and they had a Book of Mormon 
on the on the table when uh, when we met, and that was the first time that I actually associated the word Mormon with Church of Jesus Christ of Latter Day Saints, and I knew all kinds of well, I didn't know much about them, quite honestly. I'd heard I'd heard stuff about polygamy, about that, like the whole multiple wives thing. I'd heard that the yep. word cult be used a lot in reference to them, but I realized that um, I really didn't know anything about them, and I thought, you know what, this this really is my chance to. Um, to find out. And uh, over the course of the uh, one of the things that they did very early on in the discussion was they were uh, they were talking to me about they gave me a copy of the Book of Mormon. They told me, you know what, if you read this book and uh, and you pray and you ask God if if it is whether it's true or not, He will answer you. And just I guess it was just the boldness of that claim that that got mm-hmm. my attention because I I kind of looked at it from the perspective of I mean either what they're saying is true and this is a really, really important thing, or they're just kind of full of crap and nothing's going to happen anyway. Yeah. So it was it was really just the fact that the stuff that they were saying was just so out there and they were saying it was such conviction that I really wanted to understand why it was that these otherwise normal-seeming individuals believed what seemed on its face to be such a ridiculous thing that um, that that's when I really kind of started digging into it because I, I wanted to understand why they believed the way that they believed. Yeah. Yeah. No, that, that totally makes sense and everything like that. And I, I would a hundred percent agree with you when, when someone comes up to you and they're talking about their convictions and like things that they really believe, whether it be religion or politics or the paranormal or really, really anything, or even like a really good cereal or something like that. When like, they're like, when you can feel their energy and just like, they're like, they're saying it and like, they're saying how great it is and everything like that. Mm -hmm. That can really change your mind. Just like how the person um, talks about certain things. So like just individuals talking about things, they, and I, do you think that's one of their tactics? I mean, I hate saying the word tactics, but do you think that's something that they learn is like how to talk to people and like do sort of these things to get people to join? Yeah, actually, before they go out on a mission, they go, um, and going on a mission is a whole big thing in the church. It's, it's, um, but before you do, they send you out to this missionary training center where they, they basically like super crazy indoctrinate you. They super crazy isolate you from family and friends and any kind of outside influences. And they get you like really, really, really into the church. And then they teach you how you're supposed to go about talking to people. And um, the way that they do it is, I mean, they've been doing this for almost 200 years now, so they've gotten really, really good at it. But they, the the way they do it is they'll they'll give you like a little piece of information here that doesn't seem so crazy, right? And they'll mm-hmm. ask you to do something with that piece of information. And, and it gets... Um, they they, uh, they have this thing that they say milk before meat, right? Where they, they they rationalize it that like you can't just dump the whole gospel on someone and and expect them to understand it un- until they get the simple stuff first. Yeah. So they start out by asking you to do like really simple things like read this book and pray about it, and then it kind of ratchets up to like oh you know now you gotta stop drinking coffee and tea and alcohol and this and that, and oh and now you gotta pay ten percent of your income to the church, and and it just it it gets bigger and bigger asks, but in such a gradual way. And they, and they tell you when you do these things to look for blessings that come. And when you're looking 
for something like that. And we're like, oh, I did X and I'm going to get blessings. And then, oh, I lost my car keys and I I, I found them when I when I prayed about it or, or whatever, right? Yeah. I mean, in, in my case, the, the really big one was um, when they told me to start paying tithing, which I couldn't really afford to do. And uh, the very next Monday when I handed my first tithing check in, uh, I got a raise at work. Um, really? And, and of course, I'm like, obviously, to me, this is like, see, they told me that if I did this, I would be blessed. There it is. It's right there, right? And mm-hmm. so that was kind of one of those. But they do it in a very gradual, slow, progressing way. It's it's gradual and slow in some ways, but they really do they really do put the pressure on you kind of in, in, in other ways where they'll, they'll ask you to make these commitments every step of the way. Um, and uh, yeah, it's, 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 it's just an interesting kind of way of going about it. Yeah. Yeah. It, it really does seem like it. And so like when they kind of taken a step back and everything like that, like when they came to your house and like, or I guess when they were talking with you and everything like that, what sort of other things did they do? Did they ever say like, Hey, aren't you come to like a church service? Like, I, I guess I don't know like how their services yeah. go and everything like that. Did they invite you to come and like, see what it's oh, about? Yeah, yeah. That was, that, that was one of the, uh, that was one of the early things too. And, uh, since I was 27 at the time, they, they actually had a young single adult branch of the church in my area. Mm-hmm. And so they got me there. And uh, one of the things that every good Mormon does is when they see a new person at church, they go out and they, they talk to them and they, they fellowship them and they, they make them feel welcome. And, and so I got to meet a lot of people. A lot of them, I still consider friends to this day. Um, although we don't talk as much for reasons, but, um, but, and you get to meet the people and, 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 and it puts a face on it. Whereas before it was just like, oh, this is some cult out of Utah where they have lots of wives and stuff, which they don't do officially anymore, at least not the mainstream church. Mm -hmm. But, um, you, you really start getting to know, like, these are real people with like real lives and like concerns and whatnot. And they're, they're, they're just like me. They're not, they don't, they don't seem like they're brainwashed, right? Like they don't, they don't, they don't seem like they're in a cult. They seem to be happy and, and, and normal and, I kind of want that because the the point that my life was at at that point, I wasn't necessarily all that happy. And I, and I saw this as like, well, if it works for them, maybe. Right. Yeah. And I guess that leads me to like, one of my next questions is like, why, what made you join? Like, what was, what was some of the factors? Cause I mean, you just said like, I guess you weren't in a great place in your life and everything, or you were, it just, you know, like what, what sort of things, made you feel like this was the right spot for you? Um, well, really, really one of the things that, uh, uh, that, that, that did it for me and, uh, that I couldn't explain at the time. Uh, but one of the big turning points initially was when I actually did take them up on their offer to, to actually pray about the book of Mormon. Now I didn't do that right away because it felt weird and 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 whatnot. But yeah. um, by the time I finally did get around to that, I had been. There are kind of there are kind of uh, tactics that they use to sort of break down resistances to stuff through like repetition and 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 that sort of thing. Where I 
actually, when I sat down to pray, I actually did feel like I had gotten an answer, which I now understand to be something called elevation emotion and 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 whatnot. But at the time, I couldn't explain it. I just knew that I, I, I prayed about this thing, and I felt very strongly that I had received an answer. And so that that really carried me quite a lot of the way. And then, and then the whole tithing thing happened after that, and that was a further confirmation. And then it just became kind of a confirmation bias thing from there. So is it, do you almost feel like now it's one of these things where like, it's not necessarily because of like the church in that you were praying that you got like the raise. It was just like, it was bound to happen. And like one of these things where it's like, now that you're not a part of it, it's like, you can kind of see how these things were already like set in place that you didn't need the, need the church, I guess. Yeah, I mean, it was it, it was a coincidence. I I mean, I worked hard at my job, and they they had seen that, and it was it was a position that I had applied for beforehand, that um that they had posted, and they they came back to me. They said, oh, we don't want to do this position anymore that we thought that we were going to open, but we have seen that you applied for it, and we have seen that you've been working for us, and so so I mean, I worked for that, and mm. that's one of the funny things that it does is it it the the. The teachings of the church really kind of strip you of your own accomplishments. Anything good that happens to you, it's because you're being blessed for being obedient. And mm-hmm. anything bad that happens to you, it's because, oh, well, you're being tested, right? And I mean, when you're told that often enough and you look at it from that way often enough, it just sort of starts to become the assumption that like, oh, yeah, obviously that's that's why that's happening, right? Yeah. And I can like – I can totally understand like – for for me, I'm 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 not super religious and everything like that, but like that sense of belonging and like everything and just like having a reason and not just like being like a floating ball in space and everything like that, and actually having like a sense of purpose and like that belongingness, like it it feels good and everything like that, and like on top of like having that network of friends and family who are a part of that and everything like that. So I can see why it's enticing. And I've, I've encountered that too before by like going to like churches and everything like that, where mm-hmm. they, you, you're new there and they're, they're coming up to you and they're talking to you and they're making you feel welcome and everything. And like, I can completely understand that part too. Um, yeah. One of the, one of the questions I, I did have was, if you don't mind this religious status before Roman um, Catholic, mm-hmm. um, we weren't super crazy devout or anything. And kind of by the time I got into my late teenage years, I had kind of come to, I had encountered a number of questions um, that I had that I didn't find in my own research that I had done, which admittedly wasn't a lot, but that the Catholic Church had good answers to. Um, and that was another thing that was really enticing about the LD, about the, the LDS Church, is that they did have answers to those questions. Like, one of them was, you know, if you, you know, you need to accept Jesus into your life to be, to be saved, to make it into heaven, what happens to the guy who was born in Ethiopia a hundred years ago and never even had the opportunity to learn about the guy, right? Like what mm-hmm. happens to him? He can't be, he can't be damned to hell forever because nobody just 
taught him, right? And uh, Mormons have this thing um, called uh, baptism for the dead. They uh, they actually believe that if a person hasn't had the opportunity to have the gospel preached to them in this life, we can do these these ordinances for them, uh, the like baptism, confirmation. There there are a bunch of other ordinances that happen in the temple, but we can do that for them, sort of. Uh, after they die, and then in the spirit world, while they're waiting, they have the option of either accepting or rejecting at that time, and then they're not just kind of like lost and cast off forever. And I really liked that concept because I'm like that. That actually makes sense. This other thing that 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 I learned about that doesn't seem like what a loving God would do, but this this actually that that actually solves that problem for me. And like I've I've had that question many of times before, where it's like if a God forbid, it's like a, a child dies and they don't understand or comprehend what is going on, and it's like, well, they didn't, they they didn't get baptized or they were they were sinning un, unknowingly. It's like, oh well, I guess mm-hmm. they go to hell then. But it's just like what you're saying right there is like, oh yeah, that that's awesome to like have a second chance almost to get into heaven when you like, when you made a mistake or you didn't know. So like, I can, that's, I, I didn't know that. That's, that's, that's actually kind of cool to, to know about, or that's, that's really interesting that they, they believe in that. Now, did they say, or I guess if, if you're going to baptize someone in the dead now, if you, would that be something that gets done like on earth like right now so if like let's say like my grandparents didn't know about this could i go up to their grave and like do a ceremony or something or is it like what you were saying like no they get their opportunity in the spirit world or so we actually do do it um the the mormons have i'm sorry i just smacked the the mic on my headset there but um <laughs> the, the mormons have these these buildings uh these temples that they build all over the uh, all over the world now a, a mormon church uh at, anyone can go to visitors are welcome but to be able to go into the temple you actually there are worthiness interviews that you have to pass and uh, these these ordinances that they do for people who are dead um, are done by people who have been found worthy it's usually their um uh, their descendants so people the a lot of Mormons will do family history. Uh, what they call family history work, which is like learning about their their deceased ancestors and whatnot, and getting their names and bringing those names to the temple, so that they can they can actually perform those ordinances in the temple for them, so that those people have the the ability to you know accept the gospel and and they're really big about um, sealing families together. So like a husband and a wife will be will be sealed together through a through a uh, a sealing ordinance in the temple, and they'll be sealed to their children, and and the the family unit is a very 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 big part of of Mormon theology and and creating those links here on earth um, so that they can be perpetuated into eternity is a very big part of the theology for them. Now, so is this, they, do the, this might sound like a weird question, do the bodies stay in the temple? Or like- oh yeah, yeah. Sorry, that's. Uh, I remember because because I when I joined the church, I since I found it on my own, my family didn't understand any of this stuff too. And my mom asked me the same thing. She's like, "So do they like 
dig the bodies up and baptize them. But no, they actually they actually <laughs> use people who stand in by proxy for them. And uh, they they it, so like when they do an ordinance for someone, it's it's the same thing as if they were doing like a regular baptism. But uh, instead of instead of using the person's name, you say, uh, you know, this person for and in behalf of so and so who is dead, and then and then they they, they proceed with the, just like the regular. So you'll go. Um, there'll be these young single adult trips because um, for the for the higher ordinances. Um, there, there are higher ordinances like the endowment and, and such that, that they don't, they haven't been found worthy enough yet to do. But there'll be trips where, like, groups of young single adults will go together with a whole bunch of names and just be baptized over and over and over and over again for each of these names on the list to get all these people basically their their ticket into heaven, essentially. Interesting. Now, is there a is there a set limit of people that can get into heaven, or is there some like? Is there something like a like I I don't know that is there anything about that like so where I know, yeah I I know for instance there the, the Jehovah's Witnesses have their hundred and forty four thousand and I know that that's like a biblical reference um, I'm not aware of a, uh, a a limit within Mormonism um, they do have a little bit of a different view of the afterlife in that they believe that most the afterlife is basically split up into essentially three different kingdoms. There's the celestial kingdom, which is like super Mormon VIP heaven. There's the terrestrial kingdom, which is where, you know, all the good people went to, but the ones who didn't, you know, accept the the particular right ordinances by the right priesthood authority, and they, they go there. And then there's the telestial kingdom where basically everyone else goes and then there's there's this other thing called outer darkness that they don't like to talk about which is where people like me go to who have found the truth and then rejected it later but the, the teachings on that are a little bit fuzzy and they like to shy away from that but uh but they, they essentially believe that everyone will get into some level of heaven it's just whether you did all the right things to get into like the top tier okay so if for for me for instance let's just say well, all right. Now I have a question. Now, so like I know about the the Church of Latter Day Saints. Now, would this be something where I would get a second chance in the afterlife, or because I know about it right now in, in this world and everything like that, I have to do it here now uh, to be accepted into heaven? It depends on it depends on who you ask. It depends on when you ask it. Um, the the churching the the teachings do kind of change a little bit over time. Mm -hmm. Um. And and there are certain things that they like not to give specifics on to kind of leave it open to interpretation. But under under the understanding that I had, yeah, I mean, even if you had left the church, you still would have that second opportunity to be rebaptized and to reaccept. It's just that it would be up to you to actually to accept that. Um, I mean, they've done they've done they've actually gotten into a little bit of trouble for uh, for doing these baptisms because there have been people who have found it rather insulting. Like, for instance, there were a lot of Holocaust um, victims that they that they did the these um, uh, these these proxy um, ordinances for. Well-meaningly, because you know they want them to be able to like get into heaven, but that yeah. there were their families got kind of upset about this. A lot of them because they're like these people died for their religion. What are you doing, right? Yeah, and exactly. so they they kind of <laughs> yeah. had to roll that back. And and I mean, I yeah. Wow, I, I was not aware of that. <laughs> now, so I another question that I had is like, what 
why why do you feel like this this church was a very high demanding or uh, yeah a high demanding church like what were what were some of the things that they and you kind of went over some of them like the the uh the ten percent of your your income and everything like that as far as them asking stuff from you but was there anything like you feel like that was more than unusual for them to be asking of you. Oh yeah. So there is. Um, I don't know if you've uh, if you've ever encountered this before, but there there's a thing called the bite model, um, which is uh, it was developed by a guy by the name of uh, Stephen Hassan, who also was uh, a member of a high demand religion, a different one, um, and he kind of uh, developed this this series of questions that you can ask about an organization to find out because it's kind of a spectrum. There are there are religions that are more high demand than others, but uh, when you go down that list, uh, when, when I go down that when I go down that list and compare it to to, to the uh, the LDS Church, it, it ticks an alarmingly high number of those boxes. Like we talk about tithing and, and how important that is, but the the emphasis that they put on this is they have like literally flown in private jets to third world countries to tell the people there that you know what if you don't have food to feed your family, pay tithing anyway, and the Lord will uh, the Lord will bless you, and meanwhile they're sitting on over a hundred billion dollars. Yeah, only in the past year kind of came to light that that even existed. So that a lot of people were kind of upset about that when when the news of that broke. But uh, yeah, um, but they all of the all of the positions in the church. Like uh, when uh, when I was in the church, my bishop was. They say that the positions, the uh, the callings within the church are volunteer, but it's really more of a voluntold position. Mm-hmm. Um, a- about a month after I was baptized, they uh, uh, they rushed through getting the, uh, the the priesthood for me. That's another thing that's a, that's a requirement for you is, is to hold this priesthood, so that they could give me a calling within the church. And I was uh, I was basically responsible for all of my branch's finances. Like a month after joining the church. Oh, and, really? Uh, <laughs> and when you're when you're given a calling, the way that kind of works is that your your priesthood leader, typically your bishop, but depending upon how high ranking a calling it is, it might be it might have to be like the stake president or somebody above him who gives you a call says, "Hey, I want to meet with you." They won't tell you what you're meeting about. Um, until you're there sitting with them and they will they will extend you this calling. They're saying, oh, you know, the, the Lord has asked you to serve in this capacity. Do you accept? And the thing that they've taught over and over and over again is, you know, when your local leader extends a calling to you, it's not your local leader extending that calling. It's actually God himself who's extending that calling to you through him. So you might not feel unqualified, but, you know, it's really a sign of faith if you just accept it no matter what. And there's there's really a lot of emphasis on, like, you know, when they ask you to do it, just do it. So, like, all of the, um, all of the, the church buildings, the, the people who clean the toilets don't get paid for that. It's just members who get assigned who are like, okay, it's your week to uh, to clean the church building today, and it's just it's just the expectation that you're going to go do that. Or all of the work that's done through the church at the low levels, anyway, is done by volunteers. Um, the, the the higher levels, the the, uh, the 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 top leadership of the church do actually get a six figure salary, but uh, it's not really a salary. It's a they get they get they get money for yeah. for doing it, but but everyone at the low levels they they're they're just assigned these tasks to do and expected to just do it because they've been called to do those things and um, yeah. Like, for for your in like your instance where you were in charge of like the finances, like what what if you were horrible 
with numbers and everything like that. Now, I know you were saying, like, you should just take it on uh, anyways, because that's, like, God saying that you this is, I'm giving it to you. But, like, what if it's, like, no, like, I know nothing of this. Like, I, I don't understand what I am doing. Do you think they you, – can you – and I guess not reject it, but can you just, like, explain, like, hey, I don't – I get God maybe saying this, but I don't know about this one. <laughs> So funny story about that. Um, when I was called into that calling, they forgot to interview me. They forgot to even ask me. So the the first time that I had heard anything about it was when we were sitting in a sacrament meeting, which is our like our regular Sunday meeting. And the uh, a, a member of the stake presidency came in to make an announcement, and they're like, "Oh, we have called Brother Lamotte to be our new." Uh, uh, Word clerk, um, all those in favor, please manifest it by the uplifted hand. And I, I hadn't even been told any, and so I just kind of deer in the headlights accepted uh, mm-hmm. because, again, God's calling me to do this. Yeah. And then uh, they pulled me aside afterwards, and the uh, the 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 stake president who uh, who had made the announcement, he said, "So you had a little bit of a deer in the headlights look going on. Were you not aware that that was happening?" And I said, "No, <laughs> nobody told me." Yeah. And it was a miscommunication where person A thought that person B had told me, and person B thought that person uh, A had told me, and it just never happened. But uh, yeah, that was kind of my uh, <laughs> one month into the church, getting thrown like right into the middle of all of it. And um, uh, there now they do provide some training for uh for the colleagues not not anywhere near as much as they should but um the the rules around the money are actually very very strict it always has to be like two people at all times two priesthood holders have to be um the, the money has to be in possession of two of them at all times from the time it's deposit from the time that it's given to the the bishop or whoever to the time it's dropped into the deposit envelope at the bank um it's they're they're very regimented about a lot of those things okay okay now did you get any other job like i guess how did you how'd you do at the job like did did you perform well did they did you um i yeah i i mean i've always been kind of good with numbers i was not good with personal finance um one of the uh, one of the things too about that the whole the whole tithing story too was um at that point in my life, I had made some bad financial decisions. I was in a lot of debt, and I had just consolidated a, a bunch of like credit card debt into like one loan, and I'd worked out a plan to pay that off, but mm-hmm. it left no money when they told me that I needed to start paying ten percent of my oh, income. Yeah, and uh, so again, that was that was that reinforced that. So I was really really worried about my ability to do the job, but I, I also have always been good with uh, with. With numbers, and there was like a, a protocol and a procedure kind of in place for that. So, and, and okay. I did have oversight and and everything like that. I mean, they're not they're not that crazy that they're just going to take random me off the street and be like, okay, you handle all our money now, right? <laughs> yeah, no, yeah, yeah. I'm sure they they I'm sure they felt good about you, you know, handling their finances. All right, I mean, well, again, it it was God calling upon you to do that job and everything like that. But I'm sure they had a little bit of faith in you to do it and everything. Yeah. Um, uh, so was, was there a rank? Now I, I heard you talking about like their Bush, the Bishop and like the, like the priest and everything like that. So is it, was there a rank rank structure as far as like the, the lowest person on the totem pole going all the way up? Is there oh, any? Absolutely. Okay. I'd love absolutely. to hear about this. They will say no. 
but I mean, there's 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 an organizational chart. Um, there is at the very very top of the church, there is currently a man by the name of Russell M. Nelson, who is the president of the church. He's referred to as the prophet, seer, and revelator. Their words, not mine. Um, and he is the guy that the buck stops with. Um, under him, he has two counselors. They make up the first presidency. Um, beneath that, there is the Quorum of the Twelve Apostles, which are like the next most senior people in the church. And then there's Quorums of the Seventy under that. And then there's there's uh, a different uh, auxiliary sort of departments of the church, who each have like their presidencies and, and and so on and so forth. And it all filters down to the to the local level, where you'll have like a a branch or a ward that's led by like a bishop and and his presidency and and the, an elders quorum and a relief society and all that. But it's it's very 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 structured. Interesting. So there's there's a president of the yeah. church. That that's crazy. Like I've never heard of that. Well, I mean, I guess the only <laughs> I guess the only thing that kind of I can relate it to is almost like Scientology where, uh, what's his name? Yeah. David um, Miscavige. Well, it, it was L. Ron Hubbard. Yeah, L. Ron Hubbard was the yes, first guy. And then yes, when he died. Yeah. 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 I, and I don't know if you know anything about Scientology, but do you almost feel like, or could it be almost be equated to something kind of on the lines of that? It's, there are a lot of similarities. Um, mm -hmm. I would say that, um, Scientology is definitely from, from what I've seen anyway, I don't have any personal experience with it, but, but from what I've seen, Scientology is definitely a higher demand religion. Um, mm -hmm. it's more or less on par with, uh, Jehovah's Witnesses is another one. I have a, I have a friend who's a, a Jehovah's Witness and, uh, Back, we, we used to try to convert each other all the time, it, and we would have these discussions all the time. So I learned a lot about them. He uh, from he, he learned a lot about us from me, and um, there are a lot of a lot of similarities in terms of like the the the, the requirements and the control mechanisms and and that sort of thing. But oh, that's really interesting. I, I yeah, that's I never realized that they they actually had something like that. Now, do you have any families? And you just said you had a friend that was a Jehovah's Witness, but prior to joining. Did you have any family or friends that were a part of this? I I didn't actually. Um, a, a couple of years after I got in, I got my father into it. Um, he mostly was listening to the. He mostly was taking lessons from the missionary because he was concerned about what it was that I was hearing. And I said, "Well, you know, come talk to them, hear them out for yourself, right?" And they kind of sucked him in. And then he managed to find his way out a, a few years before before I found my way out. But uh, yeah, uh, in terms of family, I don't really have anyone, uh, any family in the church, which is really, really fortunate for me because one of the things that they they do like to do is to make you so dependent on, on the church itself. All of your friends and family typically will be within the church. And when you dissociate from the church, you kind of lose that whole support network, which makes the whole thing a really, really kind of a scary thing to do. So I was I was fortunate having family outside the church and some friends outside of the church that I did have a support network on the outside. I, I don't know how I would have how I would have been able to navigate that otherwise. Yeah. And that's uh, yeah. I mean, we kind of talked about that at the beginning of this, like having that support network and everything like that, having that like that sense of belonging and then having to leave that it's it's scary and everything it's almost like i'm not going to compare it to like leaving for college or like leaving high school and to be out on your own but in a way it, it almost is kind of like that in a way yeah. yeah um so 
a, a, a big question that I do have for you is, and if you're comfortable answering it, uh, by all means, but if not, don't feel bad or anything like that. But what were some of the reasons why you left or what was one of the biggest things that led you to leaving the church? So it was, it was kind of, I mean, there is one event that I can point to that was kind of my breaking point, but it was it was kind of a collection of stuff. Um, I since I was 27 when I joined the church, I was technically too old to serve a formal mission, and uh, serving as a missionary within the church is very much a thing that is an expectation, and 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 those who don't are kind of lesser than. Um, so I wanted to have as much of an experience with that as I could. So I went out with the local missionaries and taught alongside them whenever I had the opportunity to do that. And of course, in doing so, I came across a lot of people's objections and and whatnot. And uh, so there were these things that I would learn that would people would tell me about the church that I hadn't been taught about. And I would try to find answers to these, and and, and I generally would. But they, one of the things, one of the things that you will commonly be told when you start asking dangerous questions like that is, well, you know, that's not essential to your salvation. You really need to to, to focus on the things that are, uh, there are some of these questions we have answers to, some of them we don't have them right now, and it's best to just put that on the shelf. And, um, and I, you know, I would, I would try to find answers to these, and I would find answers to stuff sometimes, like, um, mm-hmm. but I, I had amassed these small things that I would put on the shelf that were not, that were not essential to my salvation, essentially. And uh, it's funny because in the ex-Mormon community, when, when someone decides to leave the church, they, they refer to that as your shelf breaking because of, you know, the weight of all the stuff that's on it. But um, yeah. the thing that really uh, that that really started uh, a turning point for me was after I had gotten married, and uh, my wife was a convert to the church. Um, she joined the church kind of through me, and uh, just seeing the amount of stress that the we had been given a calling together to uh, to be primary teachers. To uh, uh, so it's like kind of like a daycare where you're just completely unqualified and untrained, and, and people give you their three year old kids and want you to watch over them during their church services but it was putting a lot of uh, of of stress on on my wife and uh, i could see that 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 uh, there was like a lot of anxiety there and i was really trying to understand why it was that god's plan of happiness was causing her such anxiety and stress because that didn't make any sense to me and she would ask me questions of uh, uh, that that she had, and I would do my best to answer them. And and in trying to find those answers for her, I just ran into more and more questions. And that shelf just got heavier and heavier until there was a news story back in late 2019 about how the church was um, covering for uh, people who were accused of uh, of sexual assault because they had positions of importance within the church, and Mm. it would look really bad on the church. So the church was trying to defend them and to try to sweep these things under the rug. They have a whole legal department for that. When when someone calls in, actually, a a report of sexual abuse, now I'm told it has changed. I don't know if that's true, but when someone reports sexual abuse to their bishop, the first thing that they're supposed to do is there's this church hotline that they call, which connects them with the church's law firm that uh, directs them on what to do. They don't call the police, they call the hotline. And then and then the church's legal team tries to 
make it go away if they deem it to be enough of a threat. And when I learned that they were doing that, after having been taught by this church that sexual sin is second only to murder, I I, I just couldn't defend it anymore. I, I couldn't sit there and and try to justify all these other things and anymore. I was just like, I can't. That's that's I'm sorry, that's wrong. I can't I can't defend this anymore. And when I finally allowed myself to examine all the negative information that I looked at, um, when I started examining the, the the things that support the evidence that supported the church as critically as I would examine the stuff that that worked against it, all of a sudden it all just kind of fell apart. And I realized that, you know what, this is this is not what it claims to be. And, and um, and that's got to be tough too, because I mean, how how long was it before this all happened? You said you were twenty seven when you joined, and how how long were you yeah. a part of the church before this all happened? So from the time I was baptized to the time I formally resigned, it was twelve years. Okay. Um, for the past, uh, for about the last year or so we were what we would call inactive because we were trying to deal with the that whole anxiety issue and uh and just going to church and doing the things that were that were required of us was just it was just too much and we had to take a step back from it but uh i still believed i still was trying to wrap my head around how this all works and um so yeah it, that that was the point where that that about 12 years later where I realized where everything just kind of of fell apart. Um, Now, is, is this something where you could still technically be a part of the church, but like have no affiliation with any sort of like group or anything like that? Cause like, I know there's plenty of people who like believe in like Jesus Christ and everything like that, but they don't go to any organizational church or anything like that, but they just practice, you know, they pray on their own. They might read from the Bible or they may not do any of that but they can still believe and it's, I mean, it's technically okay or whatever. There's no harm, no foul, but is there something against that with this church? Um, so the official church, yes, is very much against that. Uh, you, you are, you are either with us or you are against us. They Mm -hmm. very much have a habit of painting people who leave in a very negative light. They'll say things like, oh, they left because they were lazy or they wanted to sin or they hadn't studied enough or this and that. It's always the fault of the person who left. And um, But there are there have been over history, even even other groups that have broken off. The, the founder of the church, a guy uh, by the name of Joseph Smith, uh, it was established in 1830 uh, when he was killed um, and that's a whole thing. Um, there were a bunch of kind of different splinter groups that uh, that broke off. The the one that is the mainstream church today, the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter Day Saints, was led by um, the a guy by the name of Brigham Young, who was the president of the Quorum of the Twelve Apostles. He kind of took the reins and directed it from there. But there were there have been over the ages all these like splinter groups that have broken off. There there's a, a group out in uh, in Utah. Um, and, and actually out in, uh, I, I believe out in Alberta as well, that, that, that broke off when the church brought an end to the practice of polygamy. Uh, mm-hmm. they decided that the prophet had fallen and that, um, that, that he was no longer a prophet and they broke off. They, they had a revelation that, um, uh, uh, that they were the one true church and, and they broke off and they, they disassociated with the church and the church excommunicated them all. And like, well, that's fine. We don't recognize your authority anyway. We're the real church. No, we're the real church. 
church. And so there, there are all these various different splinter groups, um, which they really don't want you to, to know that they exist. That they want you to think it's a much more, a much more cohesive thing than it really is. It's so much to the point that they actually had at one point, a trademark on the word Mormon, and they would pursue legal actions against anyone who used it without their, uh, without their authority. No way. Really? That is crazy. Now I think that that trademark has expired or, or not expired, but I think it was I think it was overturned. I'm not I'm not really sure, but it's it is kind of the thing that they like to do. They like to have like this is the approved information that you're allowed to look at. Um, don't look at that stuff out there. It's dangerous. Um, and they, they have this saying that they that 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 I've heard a thousand times, and it used to scare the hell out of me. Where they say, in the in the latter days, even the very elect shall be deceived, which which means to say that you know just listen to what we're telling you. We've got the truth here. If you listen to what's out there, they might deceive you. You might get cheated out of your salvation because you know some trickster manages to to get you to make a wrong turn and yeah. uh and that's 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 another one of the the things that they do to, to to keep people from from leaving they they make the outside world look as scary as they possibly can now how do you go about leaving now is this something where it's just you you talk to who's ever in charge and you're just like hey this isn't working out or is it something where it's like you just don't show up anymore it's like you just cut all ties it it depends on the individual. Um, now, there are a lot of people who choose to go that that former easier route where they're just like, you know what, I'm just not a Mormon anymore and they don't associate with them anymore. But the church will send missionaries out and they will they will keep trying to bring you back and whatnot. Um, the, the There is a way of formally resigning where you have to write a letter to your bishop asking for your records to be removed. And there's a whole bureaucratic process and a lot of foot dragging that happens. Um, but um, the way that a lot of people go, uh, there is an organization called the Setup. Uh, it was founded by an ex-Mormon lawyer who um, helps people to resign the church. He provides free legal counsel to have their records removed under threat of lawsuit by not doing that. And it it really, really is telling of an organization when the easiest way to leave it, it involves a lawyer and a notary public. Yeah, right. <laughs> and so how did how did you feel about leaving the church? Like and I mean I guess like you you had said by like by that time you were you like your shelf was it was breaking so i'm sure there was like there was some relief but i i could also assume that there might be some like maybe not maybe maybe some doubt and maybe some second thoughts and everything oh yeah it's a really really weird experience there was i i mean there had been a lot of doubts and second thoughts leading up to that um and there was there was a lot of fear associated with doing it too um i personally would have been of the uh the opinion where i would just not i just stop showing up and 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 just kind of ghost the church but uh, it was really really important to my wife who who's questions kind of prompted the whole thing that we really do formally resign so we did uh, we did do that together uh we did it through the uh, the quit mormon route so we we went the um getting the uh the, the free legal help to do it and uh it's the the 
what you go through after that, um, less so her because she hadn't been in it for very long, but my whole, your whole way of thinking gets wrapped up in this lens of the church. Everything that you do from like the clothing you wear to uh, the, the job that you take to to who you marry to all these things, it all revolves through this lens of the church that has all these answers. If you do these things and if you do them the right way, everything will be fine. And I went from that place of like, knowing that I had all these answers to now I've got nothing. And mm -hmm. that was terrifying. And it took, it, it took me some time to, to, to recover from that. I would, I would actually have kind of anxiety and panic attacks that would just, I, I'd be standing in the grocery store and I just had this like wave of crippling anxiety because like, what am I doing? Right and now, that's it's been it's been almost two years since that time, so that that has dissipated quite a lot, and I I am much more able to function again. But uh, yeah, you you do have those doubts about like what if what if I actually was deceived? Like what what if they were telling me the truth all all along? What if I was deceived and and now I have I've sacrificed my my salvation because of this? But then I look over at the mountain of evidence that I have over here. And I'm like, oh yeah, all that stuff. Okay, I'm yeah. I'm all right. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and and that's it's got to be tough too because you were saying you you devoted or devoted twelve years of your life to this. So you give up you give up so much time, so much energy to something that you really truly believe in, and then just to have all of this almost kind of come crumbling and down. It can't be easy, and it's totally understandable that like you. But it, it, I guess one of the questions I want to ask is, have you found, I guess, like another spiritual outlet or another religion um, to take place of this? Or is it something that you still in a way do believe? Um, I, that, that one is, that, that one's an interesting question because um, I haven't, gone looking for that per se. Uh, mm -hmm. I'm not opposed to it. Um, but I do definitely, when I encounter new information, I do look at it a lot more, um, a lot more critically. I do, uh, I, I mean, I try to, to listen again to as many viewpoints as I, as I possibly can, but I, but I also do filter, I filter things a lot more, um, rigorously i would say so yeah. uh, you know if if uh, if i were to learn of something new that that worked for me and whatnot i i'm not opposed to that but i'm i'm also not looking i'm just kind of trying to live my life according to what my conscience tells me rather than having that overridden by what i'm told and, and yeah and you know what i think I think a lot of people are in the same boat as you. And I, I I can, I almost can relate to that where it's just like, you know what, I'm just going to live by like some morals and standards that I was brought up with. Like, cause I was brought up Lutheran and everything like that. And they going, I feel like going to church as like, as a, as a child and everything like that. Like I, I, I have some moral values and everything like that. And just like being a decent person to everybody. Like, I feel like that's, that's just something that everyone should live by and like just being nice to people and like giving when you can and everything. I'm not necessarily like a super religious person, but I feel like if you live by those rules, whatever is out there, I mean, they gotta be, you know, like whether it be 
God, Allah, you know, whatever you believe in, if if that higher being has seen you be a good person and just living your life, I don't see how you couldn't get into heaven. You know, like to me, yeah. that it makes no yeah. sense. I, I see it from the perspective of, you know what, if there is a God out there and he, she, it, whatever is just, and I'm doing the best that I can to be a good person, to make the world a better place, then great. If they're just, then I'm I'm going to be treated accordingly. If exactly. there isn't a God out there, which maybe, I don't know, uh, if there isn't, well, then at least I've made the world a better place, right? Yeah, so, yeah. and you can hold your head no up high. And, yeah. Yeah. Do you have any? Uh, do you have any second thoughts about leaving? Sometimes, um, not not so much second thoughts. There are people that I miss. Um, I still have uh, people that I consider to be friends within the church, but of course, you know that those. Well, no one has ever said anything directly. Those relationships have been kind of strained because of my views um it's it's really weird because i've i've seen this from from both sides where i've been the one on the inside when someone leaves and watching them and feeling so bad for them because i thought that they had been deceived and whatnot and then and then i on my end seeing it from the other side knowing what they think about me i i kind of feel bad about that because i i know how people must think about me i know that what they must think about me and and i miss just being able to you know talk to those to those people and 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 just be like real with those people and i i I do hear from them occasionally but it's it's i I miss the people more than anything else yeah and that and and i can completely understand with that like Okay, we we kind of keep going back and forth on that support network, those families, mm-hmm. those friends, and everything like that. And to and it 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 it's kind of sad that because of what happened, you you kind of can't talk with them, or they can't, I guess, relate or not relate, but they can't associate with you in a sense. And now, would I be correct in saying that, where it's like the church doesn't want their members right now to associate with you in some sort of sense? Well, when I was, uh, so when you go, one of the things that's very important in the church is the ordinances that are done in the temple. In order to qualify for the temple, you have to go for a temple recommend interview where they ask you a bunch of questions about your worthiness. And now I'm, I've, I'm given to understand that they've changed the wording on this one question, but the one that, that I was asked Every two years for twelve years, when I went for this, uh, when I went for this worthiness interview, was do you? Uh, and I, I don't have the wording exactly right, but it was something along the lines of, do you support or affiliate with anyone whose views or teachings contradict those of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter Day Saints? So while they will say that, oh no, we can talk to whoever, for a very long time, that was a worthiness question. <laughs> That, that you would be really? asked regularly. Um, and, and if you answered no to that question, then you weren't considered worthy to to do the things that you needed to essentially get into heaven. So th- there's a lot so, of stuff where they'll say one thing and then the reality is kind of another, and you really have to do some mental gymnastics to make those pieces fit. Yeah, that's that. Wow. So, like, the only the most worthy people only associate with people from this church. Yeah. Wow. And that's that's a really really sneaky part of the doctrine too is that yeah. um since part of your since your salvation is so 
inherently tied with these ceilings to family members. When someone in your family leaves the church, they break that link, and and it causes a lot of strife and contention within families because, like, what are you doing? You've just destroyed our eternal family, right? And and mm-hmm. people have been disowned for it. Like, children have been disowned by their families, and which never made any sense to me. But but like. They take it very, very seriously. Um, yeah. I so, forgot the question. I I went off on a on a tangent there. I don't know. No, no, your no, question. no it's com- it's completely fine. Um, it was it was. Do you have any second thoughts about leaving? But no, I, I you answered the question. Um, how has your life changed now? Now that like everything is kind of like said and done, would you say that your life is? better outside the church do you would you say that there's things that you you took from it like you didn't learn anything how how have you grown i guess as a person from this um i i think that on the whole it's been a good thing for me um even even the the bad stuff that i went through um i i've learned a lot from the experience uh, I don't have that certainty that I once had, but I don't know that that's necessarily a bad thing. It's made me more—it's um, it, made me more willing to consider other viewpoints. Um, and I think that on the whole, I am better off, even though sometimes it's a little scarier. Uh, I'm the one in the driver's seat now. I'm the one who gets to choose. The direct well, my wife has some say in that too. But um, <laughs> I, I'm the one who gets to choose because it's what I believe, and uh, yes. and I think that I think that I'm better off for that. That's good. That's good to hear. I, I do have one final question for you: Is that if someone came up to you and asked you if they wanted to join this church, what would you say to them? Oh, that's tricky. Um, because I'm very, very much about not telling people what they should or shouldn't believe because of, you know, the I whole bad taste in my mouth left about that. Mm-hmm. But uh, I think that the best advice that I would give them is that, you know what, if you're taking these lessons from the missionaries, you're going to be there's going to be pressure put on you. There's going to be like they they, they set timelines and deadlines for things. Don't feel that it's necessary to abide by those timelines. Make sure that you take the time to do your research. Certainly hear what they're saying, but listen to what the other side is saying too. Listen to the people who've left the church. There's um, there's a uh, a document floating around out there called the CES letter, um, where it was uh, it was a guy by the name of Jeremy Runnels who left the church, and he kind of amassed this whole list of questions that he had directed to uh, to someone within the church because they had they had apparently offered to answer him all the questions that he had because he was having doubts and he never got that answer. So he published the letter online and it kind of details a sort of a thumbnail sketch of the major um, the, the, the major, problems that they are with church theology. And I would also tell them, you know what, also look at Fair Mormon, because they try to answer those questions and look at both sides and study what both sides say and look at them both equally and then decide for yourself, what do you think seems more rational? And then go with that. Because because at the end of the day, I've learned that I can be wrong about stuff too. 
And mm-hmm. so all we can all we can really do is just gather as much information as we can and make the best decision that we can with that and be willing to change that direction if we realize that, oh, you know what? I was wrong about this or that, and now I'm going to do something different about it. I think that's I think that's great. I think that's you kind of I think I think that kind of goes along with really anything is getting the information, like talking to people about whatever subject it is and getting as much information. And then you as the person making that informed decision, because at the end of the day, you just got to be happy with whatever you choose. And now I know a lot of people I'm, I'm like this all the time, too, is like I can't I don't know what to eat for dinner sometimes. I just want someone to just pick something for me. So picking or like someone coming up to you and be like, should I do this? It's, it's a big decision. And I, I know you don't want to persuade people to do any sort of thing, but I think how you, how you said it is, is perfect. And I would, I would suggest that in just everyday life and everything like that, just getting that information and making that informed decision by yourself. Um, do you have any, any final thoughts or anything like that? As far as everything that we've talked about, do you have anything else that you'd want just our listeners to know about, about this? I think um, the one thing that I – if there was something that I wanted people to know, I would say uh, learn about the bite model Um, because it really, really details the kinds of things that um, high demand – and it doesn't even necessarily have to be a religion. It can be like a political group or anything, but high demand groups will tend to use these same kinds of tactics, and it tends to be very cookie cutter, and they tend to do exactly – Exactly the same kinds of things with subtle variations on it. And if you know what those things are and you know to look for them, um, it, it it can help you to, to, to make those informed decisions um, and just, you know, accept that that just the notion that you know what, I can, I can be wrong about something and that's okay. Cause I can learn from it and I can move on. I think that that's, that's my biggest takeaway. Awesome. Thank John. I, I want to say thank you again for coming onto the show and, and giving us your insight on this. I really do appreciate it. Um, yeah. Yeah. And I, I, we would love to have you again and talk about this. Cause I know I, our co-hosts and everything like that, they all wanted to be here and everything like that. So I'm sure I had a list of questions for you, but I'm sure they have a million. And if you would love to come onto the show, we would love to have you again. Yeah. Yeah. No, I'd be, I'd be totally open to that. Awesome. Thank you. And on that note, uh, for all of our listeners not listeners out there, you can catch us on Spotify, Apple, anything like that. You're probably listening to us on Podbean right now. Uh, leave a like, comment, and everything like that. Tell us what you want us to uh, talk about, and we'll, we'll get after it. So, 